0: us the happier and more content we're going to be. So it's very, very important. But before I dive into that, I want to begin this morning by telling you about my Uncle Jimmy. Uncle Jimmy is gone now, but he was my mom's oldest brother. Mom, I think, is the youngest in the family, and Jimmy was 14 years older than my mom. And he's married to Auntie Thelma, and they had three boys. And uh, I used to absolutely love it when Uncle Jimmy would come down to visit. Um, Let me tell you why. We lived in quite an impoverished area, Um, but it was a step up from where we had lived. We used to live in an apartment, a flat, as we call it in England. I don't know how my parents did it. Two bedrooms, a six-year-old, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and mom and dad. Top four of a flat. And then we got government housing. What a step up. Two stories, an upstairs and a downstairs. Three bedrooms. And what's more important, one of those bedrooms was mine. Because the other three were all girls and they shared a bedroom. Mom and dad had a bedroom and I had my own bedroom. Luxury. But we lived modestly to say the least. I, you know I was thinking about this as I was preparing this message. I really don't know how my parents did it. We didn't have a washing machine. Mom used to or a hot water tank. Mom used to boil the water in a bucket on the stove and wash the dish it, wash the, the clothes in the kitchen sink, and then wring them out, hang them out on the line. We didn't have a dryer. we didn't have a dishwasher. We didn't have a fridge. So you couldn't cook stuff and keep it. It was every day you had to cook it fresh. No phone, no car, no microwave, no central heating. We had one little fireplace in one room in the house, for the house. Obviously, no AC. And uh, for the first part of my my young life, no TV. So, I mean, we lived pretty bare basic minimum, but mom and dad always made sure that we never went without the basics. I don't ever remember being hungry. I don't ever remember not having clothes to wear. We always had food on our plate. We always had clothes to wear. And my parents, now I appreciate them so much because I was a typical boy. They'd get me new pants and I'd always have the warning, don't go out roughhousing in them. And invariably they wouldn't last a week and I'd have a big hole in the knee and Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we used to grow vegetables in the backyard. Potatoes, turnips, rutabagas, you call them. Um, carrots, peas, various kinds of berries in the, in the backyard to, to help out. So we lived very meagerly. Uncle Jimmy, on the other hand, we lived in Plymouth, which is in the middle of nowhere in England. He lived up near London in a nice place. He had a car. He had a good job, he had a house, never went up there. And um, it was always just such an exciting thing when Uncle Jimmy and Auntie Thelma would come down with their boys. I mean, for a start, they had a car. I remember they were building a bridge in Plymouth, the city that I come from, over the River Tamar. It's one of the longest suspension bridges in England. And Jimmy came down, Uncle Jimmy came down one time and took took us one at a time out in his car, to go see them building the bridge. I can still remember the day, getting in the car and going to see the bridge being built. It was just so exciting. But the thing that I mostly loved about Uncle Jimmy's visits was the hand-me-downs. It would always show up with boxes of stuff. I mean, I'm quite tall, but his bo- his boys are all, they were much older than me, And they're all like 6'7", 6'8", 6'9". I mean, they're they're tall. And he would come with boxes of hand-me-downs, shoes and pants and shirts and toys. Stuff to play with. And I absolutely loved it when Uncle Jimmy came down. I would just get so excited. I'd be uncontrollable. I literally would. I mean, it's hard to imagine, but... (laughs) Today I want to talk about hand-me-downs hand-me-downs are not a bad thing and specifically i want to talk about hand-me-down love last week we looked at a a wonderful passage of scripture in uh, john chapter 15 one of the most misunderstood passages of scriptures in the bible today i'm going to continue in on john 15 on the same passage of scripture and what's the name of the series Deeper, thank you. We were at the men's breakfast yesterday, and my son-in-law was doing it. He said, what's the name of the series Pastor Mike's in? Not a word. (laughs) Deeper. So we're going to dig deeper into that passage of Scripture. So we're going to begin by reading it, and then there's a certain section of it I want to really get into. So John chapter 15, we're going to do one more verse than we did last week, verses 1 through 17, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And this is Jesus, again, this is part of a much larger dialogue that goes on from chapter 13 to 16. One of the longest dialogues in all the Bible. So it's Jesus talking to his disciples, his closest followers. He says, I'm the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned. Last week, we talked about the misinterpretation of that passage of Scripture. So if you didn't get to hear it, you can go to our Facebook page or go to YouTube or or, um, the website, the app, and and just listen to last week's message. This next section from 9 through 17 is what we're going to focus in on this morning. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything, since I have told you everything, the father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Now, like I said, this is a, a part of a much bigger passage of Scripture where Jesus is is giving his closest companions final instructions before he moves on from this world. They're going to carry the torch. And, and this, it's a wonderful, I mean, I really would suggest, if you've got nothing to study this week, John 13 through John 16, 17 is where Jesus prays. Just a wonderful passage of Scripture. So, Here's what we discovered last week. We we tackled the question, what is fruit? if you remember that, we tackled the question, what is fruit? If it's so important that we bear fruit, we should know what it is, right? And here's what we discovered. Bearing fruit is produced by remaining in Christ. But we also discovered that answered prayer is produced by remaining in Christ. This is all in the scripture. Bearing fruit brings glory to God. Answered Prayer brings glory to God. Bearing fruit brings me joy. Answered prayer brings me joy. So there's a definite link between bearing fruit and answered prayer. Both fruit and answered prayer come from remaining in Christ. In verse 5, Jesus said, Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Verse 7, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want and it will be granted. So I'm reading that and I'm thinking, well, this comes up with two questions that I need to consider, that we need to consider. First one, what does it mean to remain in Christ? If I bear fruit from remaining in Christ, if I get answered prayer from remaining in Christ, I need to know What does it mean to remain in Christ? And then the second thing, if he's going to answer my prayers, if a person remains in Christ, what does the person who remains in Christ ask for? Because we know God doesn't answer all prayers. God is not going to answer a prayer that is contrary to his will. Not in the way that we want him to. God's not going to give us something that we may want that is contrary to what is good for us. Or what fits in the bigger picture? What we do know, that God wants to answer prayers. It brings us joy and it brings him glory. So the question I want us to wrestle with this morning, what does it mean to remain in Christ? And what should I ask for? What should we ask for? I've been stuck in this passage of scripture all week. Sometimes I like to do novel things. You ever heard of a word cloud? A word cloud, you can get these things on, on the internet. Can you go to the next slide, please? It's where you put in a a, a a series, you can kind of see it, a series of words. So I copied this whole passage of scripture, and I dumped it in this word cloud, and it'll do this neat kind of thing where the words that come up the most often are bigger and bolder. And it gives you an idea, what's this talking about? So as I look at this, I did this word cloud. I like to do these silly things sometimes. And you can see there there are certain words that come up more than others. Um, Produce, you can kind of see there. Father. But the biggest ones are fruit, love, and remain. So that kind of gives me an indication that this passage of Scripture is all about fruit, love, and remaining. It comes up over and over in the passage of Scripture. So as I'm diving deeper, now I'm kind of focusing my study on fruit, remaining, and love. So starting in verse 9, that's where Jesus begins to talk about love. He says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. So here's your first hand me down. Jesus is saying, The Father loves me. I love His love. And as He has loved me, I'm going to love you. It's a hand me down love. Remain in My love. Well, how do you remain in His love? When you obey My commandment, you remain in My love. We remain in Jesus. In his love, through our obedience. This is really simple so far, but we're going to dig into it. He carries on. He says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. Isn't that interesting? There's another hand-me-down. Jesus, every, Jesus says a number of times, everything that he does, everything that he says is a response to what his father has told him to do. Jesus is acting in obedience. And he comes to us and says, I want you to act in obedience. It's a hand meter. I obey the Father, you obey me. I've told you these things that you, so that you will be filled with my joy. Sorry, did I miss something there? When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So going I ask this a couple of times this morning? Who would like to overflow with joy? Don't be shy. If you didn't put your hand up, I can pray. God, could you make them miserable? <laughs> Everybody wants to overflow with joy, right? Sometimes we're a little bit shy about, you know, Pastor Mark's asking me to raise my hand again. But I think it's in everybody. Yeah, yeah, I want some of that, Jesus. It comes from remaining in his love, which comes from obeying his commands. We've got this kind of chain reaction. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Now, I made it big and bold so you can catch it. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. So what does it mean to remain in Christ? Okay, that's good. You jumped ahead. To obey his command. What's his command? Love each other. Is this not, it's not rocket science, is it? But more than just love each other, in the way that I have loved you, It's a Christ-like love. He carries on. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, that doesn't literally mean that you have to die for your friends. God might call you to die for your friends, but that's not really what Jesus is talking about. He means that when you lay down your life for someone, you don't die for them. You live for them. You live for them. You put aside your wants, you put aside your needs, you put aside me first and raise their value up, and that's how you love them. That's how Jesus loved us, above our needs, above our wants, above our desires. Who wants that? Yeah, all right, let's keep reading. (laughs) You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. Another hand me down. Father tells me, I tell you. Hand me down. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. So he says it a couple of times in this passage of scripture. It's really easy. If you want to remain in Christ, the answer to remaining in Christ is we love each other. So then the question becomes if I want, if 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 by remaining in Christ, Jesus says, Ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you, what should I ask for? Love. I need love. I need your love so that I can love. This is the ultimate prayer. Would you give me the capacity to love the way you love Jesus? And remember the context here. He's about to leave them. Right after this, he's going to be betrayed in part by them. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be put on trial, beaten, executed. Then he comes back to life again. I mean, their heads are just going to be spinning. And then after 40 days, he leaves them again to continue the work that he's begun. And he tells them, and in turn tells us, because the whole Bible is a hand-me-down. First off, he says, I'm not leaving you alone. Can we go to the next slide, please? she's still asleep she's poor girl's jet-lagged she's at the airport this morning I mean thank you (laughs) (laughs) hey just the next slide oh did I miss one operator error this is the operator I have notes. (laughs) Sometimes I use them. (laughs) Sometimes I don't. (laughs) Okay, well, keep going forward till we get to that. I must have done something wrong. I can't imagine it. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. There we go. What is it? Ah, I don't Forget it. Follow that if you can. (laughs) So number one. Oh, you need this because it's in your notes. Number one. (laughs) He said, I'm not leaving you alone. You can call on me any time and I will hear you. So he left us prayer. And we need to hold on to that. He left us prayer. He said, I will listen to you. I will hear you. Call on me. The second thing he left us was his Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going, but I'm leaving you with something better, guys. I'm leaving you with a power that you can't imagine. And the Holy Spirit, it's just he says, he will empower you. He will remind you. He will convict you. He will encourage you. He will give you courage. And what he said to them, he's saying to us. Because quite honestly, when I look at this love that Jesus calls us to do, without the Holy Spirit, I'm coming up way short. I don't know about you. Some of you are better at it than me. but. And the third thing, he left us this command. The command to love. I'm leaving you guys in the number one thing you need to do. You've got to love one another. More than anything else, you've got to love one another. And now we've got that passage of scripture that I think I put in the wrong place. John 13. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Prove to the world. And he's been hammering this on all night, all the way through this passage. He's been telling these guys, love, 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 love. So back to our two questions. What does it mean to remain in Christ? Obey. And what's the obedience? Love. What do we need to ask for? Love. We're catching this now. We need love. It's a hand-me-down. I don't know about you (laughs) sacrificial love I need help anyone with me? anyone else need help on this? yep couple anyone got this? Uh, this uh, anyone got this aced? alright who needs help then? (laughs) yeah I saw that Kyle Love is tricky, isn't it? I mean, the concept of love is good, but real love is, is very tricky. Sometimes it's easy. Last week, when I saw my new grandbaby, Cosette, there you go. And you all voted wrong. When I saw Cosette for the first time, immediately, there's love. I can't explain it. It's just like, boom, there it is. I just want to hold her. I see that little, that one on the right there. It's like, oh man, I just want to grab that off the screen. Sometimes it's just there. Other times it grows. When I met my wife, Sandra, I didn't love her on the day I met her. In fact, neither of us wanted to go on a second date. Some of our friends persuaded us to go on a second date. We wanted a third date, so that was okay. And we've been dating now for 47 years. But at some point in the relationship, romantic love begins to raise its head. And you get all these, ooh, feelings. You get over it, (laughs) But it's strong. We still like to spend time. There's no person on the planet that I'd rather spend time with. Now, I've got to be honest. I'm not sure about Sandra. Because I think if she had to choose today whether to spend time with me or spend time with that little girl, I'm not sure where I... I know where I land in this (laughs) equation. I'm not betting on that one. So here's the thing. There, There is love the emotion. And there is love... The verb. When Jesus said, This is my command to love each other, he wasn't commanding how we feel. Because that simply wouldn't be fair. I mean, you can't expect someone to feel a certain way. There are all kinds of things that affect our emotions. I mean, have you ever got out of bed grumpy? No, I was talking to Al. Have you ever got out of bed grumpy? No. <laughs> Why am I picking on Al? I picked on him last week too. Anyone ever got out of bed grumpy? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. It's just some some of those some of those days, right? Nothing's happened. You get up and you're already in a bad mood. You know, the, the radio comes on. You know, don't worry, be happy. Yeah, go take a running jump. I'll be happy if I want to be. Have a nice day. I'll choose the kind of day I want. Thank you. I mean. Sometimes you just get out of bed. Well, at least I do. Even the weather can affect the way you feel. I mean, you get those gloomy days and it goes on for weeks. I know I've shared this so many times because I'm still amazed. I remember the, the, the October before we left to come over to Canada, October 1980. So it would have been 1979. The hours of sunshine in Plymouth, where I come from, for the month of October, does, does, does somebody want to guess? Three hours, six minutes. <laughs> That's a break in the cloud. <laughs> ooh, what the? It's like when it rains here, you know. It's like, ooh, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> there must be planes dumping stuff. I can't see it. There's that gray stuff is in the way. But you get, I mean, you get miserable just by the weather sometimes. To command that we feel a certain way would be simply wrong. So Jesus was talking about something far above that level of response when he commands us to love. He's talking about the verb love. Love is a verb. It is a behavior. And that's a whole different kettle of fish. It's actually way more difficult. Jesus commands That we love regardless of how we feel. That's hard, isn't it? I mean, let's tell the truth about this. Let me say it again so it settles in there. Jesus commands that we love regardless of how we feel. It's not, if it feels good, do it. I mean, how often do you say, "Eh, it feels good, man, you should do it. He's saying, do it. And I don't care how you feel. I think he does care. But regardless of your feel. In, in, in fact, he had already taught on this a few years earlier in Luke chapter 6. He taught on it in various places, but I like this one from Luke 6. He says, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, Love your enemies. Ah. I know I've said this so many times. Love your enemies. I don't even like my friends. <laughs> love your enemies. That's an exaggeration. (laughs) Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get any credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get any credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to uh, other sinners for a full return and a little bit more. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be great, will be very great. And if you will truly be acting and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Now, let me ask you a question. Did you read or see anything in there about how you feel? Didn't mention it, do you? But there was a whole bunch of behaviors in there. Verbs and adverbs. Listen. Do good. Bless. Pray. Offer, give, lend, acting, be. Now, why did Jesus set the bar so high? Because if you can love that person, you can love anybody. If you can love that person, and everybody's got somebody in mind. I'm not, there's a person that is just difficult to love. Most of us know somebody who's difficult to love. And if you can love that person in the way that Christ calls you to love, how easy is it to love people you like? Now, here's the thing (laughs) the question that comes to my mind. I always try to ask, we talked about this earlier, ask questions of the scripture. Isn't it insincere? To act in a manner that you don't feel. Love through gritted teeth. I'm going to love you. (laughs) I just love loving you. (laughs) Is that what Jesus wants? Is that what Jesus is talking about? I don't think so. It's not fake it till you make it. It's make it, and you won't have to fake it. It's an inside job. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in us, around us, and through us. There is no other way that we can be this person that Jesus Christ is calling us to be. But we have to choose to join the Holy Spirit in that work. We must be willing. What did Jesus say at the beginning of that passage in in Luke chapter 6? But to you who are willing to listen. All of that tough stuff came after that phrase. If you're willing to listen, here you go. If you're not willing to listen, it really don't matter for you. Your heart is hard. So there's got to be a willingness. So I want to finish up this morning (laughs) with a, a practical example. Of why this is so important. I was going a different way. God does this to me sometimes. And I had something in the middle of the week that I was going to share with you, which we're going to do next week now, about love. And sometimes God brings things, and it was just such a perfect example. Have you ever noticed that some people have an easier time than others to love? They seem to have a handle on it. And I know there's a lot of people that have a better handle on it than I do. And I think part of the reason that they have an easier time, in part, is because they lived in an environment where love was modeled. It was all around them. They learned to love That's why Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. If you can learn to love. Because when we model love, it makes it easier for those around us to model love. That's how it works. And this came home to me this week. I love how the Holy Spirit does this. And he doesn't know that I was going to do this, but I'm doing it anyway. One of the gentlest people that I know, and I'm not saying that I know him really well is Keith Daniels sitting right there. Yes, he just went, what? <laughs> so Monday night is prayer night. And we come and gather for prayer. And Amy is a faithful prayer warrior. And she's always there. And she brought with, with her a piece of paper. She said, oh, Keith wanted me to, to give this to you. It comes from this, this book that he put together. It's a book of wisdom. And it's a poem. And I'm, I'm going to read you the poem. Last week we talked about prayer and how sometimes when God answers prayer, he doesn't answer the prayers the way that we expect him to. And this is just a, a perfect little poem. And I'm not putting it on the screen because I looked for the original. As it's attributed tr- to so, so many different people. Yeah, that's mine. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So I'm going to read it to you, okay? And then I'm going to tell you where, where I want to go with this. Says, I asked for strength and God gave me difficulties to make me strong. I asked for wisdom and God gave me problems to learn to solve. I asked for prosperity and God gave me a brain and brawn to work. I asked for courage and God gave me dangers to overcome. I asked for love and God gave me people to help. I asked for favors and God gave me opportunities. I received nothing I wanted. I received everything I needed. My prayer has been answered. And that was kind of neat. And then yesterday at the breakfast, Keith had this this book that he had put together with a little binder, a book of wisdom. What, what, What did you call it? Book of wisdom? And he was showing it to me yesterday, and it just spoke right into what we're talking about today. Hand me down love. And he said, my dad used to get this little booklet. What was it called? Common Sense. And dad would share with Keith some of these common sense things. And Keith would read this little book of Common Sense. And then when Keith had children... He collected all of these things together from various spots. And this is pre-internet. He's not surfing the net. He's reading this stuff, typing it out, and putting it together in this book of wisdom that he gave to his kids. With all of these, and I, and I look through it, all of these great insights, wonderful insights. And it must have, I mean, that was a labor of love. I don't know how long it took him to put that together. But it, it just made me think about this. I'm not met Keith's dad. I have a pretty good idea about Keith's dad. Because he gave to his son something. And his son gave to his children something. It's hand-me-down love. And what did Jesus say? I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. But it's something that we learn to do. So next week, we're going to dive down deeper into this, into the practical aspects of what this love is. How do I learn to do this? For some of you, it's going to be no-brainer. For the rest of us, we need all the help we can get. And and I call it laser love. I'm going to zap you with my love gun. What is laser love? You'll have to find out next week. Oh, and bring a friend. Bring a friend. Now, let me close up with this. I'm just going to be really honest with you. Sacrificial love doesn't sound appealing really doesn't sound very appealing. But according to Jesus, if we get this love thing right, we remain in him. Our joy is full to overflowing. The Lord receives glory and he answers our prayers. So I kind of think it's worth a shot, eh? I mean, I, I want all of that. I'd love to bring glory to God. I'd love to have my prayers answered and I'd love to overflow with joy. So let me ask you again. Who wants to overflow with joy? That's a much better response. There we go. So we're on the same page. Now here's where you can begin this week, okay? It starts with prayer. It begins with prayer because it's a work. It's an inside job. Lord, I need to be willing. I need to be willing. I need to be open to whatever you might teach me or show me. Because there's certainly some people in my mind, I don't know if I want to love them. And I need to be accepting. Because you can only love out of the overflow of the heart. And if we can't accept Christ's love, it's so very difficult. For us to dispense Christ's love. So willing. Open. And accepting. Good place to start. Start there with your prayers. Yes. I'm with you. Amen? Amen. All right. Let me pray. And then Mr. Carl is going to come up and close us out. Father. Lord Jesus. God, thank you for hand me down love. Thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love. And as I read through that passage of scripture from Luke 6, Lord, it talked about even sinners do this. Even sinners do that. That's us. We're the sinners. So, Father, I'm asking right now, I'm praying for each and every person that's in here, for those who are watching online, for those who are going to watch later, Soften our hearts, Father. Even when we doubt our ability to love, soften our hearts. May we be willing to love the way you've called us to love. May we be open to love the way you've called us to love. And may we be accepting of your love so that we can. Lord, we ask this in the power of the Holy Spirit and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.